Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Unfuck Your Health podcast. Today, we are joined with a really special guest. We are going to dive into some gut health stuff. We're going to talk a lot of shit today. How are you doing, Iman? Uh, Doing pretty well. How are you? I can't complain. I'm excited. I think this will be a really, really cool podcast. And I think gut health in general is thrown around a lot. But before we really jump into everything, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Tell me your story. Yeah, for sure. So because we're talking about gut health today, I'll I'll go that route because there's a lot of different things that I've had to work on throughout my life with regards to, you know, nutrition and stuff. I had disordered eating tendencies in the past. I mean, I've had issues with my mindset and whatnot. So I talk to, uh, or I talk about all those topics on different podcasts, but we'll focus on the gut health side of things today. So to make a long story short, um, I grew up with an alcoholic father in my house. So things were always very chaotic, uh, for me at home and I didn't like being at home. So the second I got my driver's license, I would get in my car. I would drive to this like strip of highway called route 40 in Maryland. And on both sides of it, anyone from Maryland, you'll know this. There's just a bunch of fast food places. So there's like Sonic and checkers and whatever. So the second I got my license, I'd drive to that place and every day, pretty much I'd be eating out after school. Um, I justified it because I played softball in high school, but I really sucked and I was on the bench. So I really wasn't getting that much activity, but um, I'd be like, okay, you know what? We had a game. I'm going to stop by Chipotle afterwards or stop by. I really earned it. Yeah, I really (laughs) earned it, you know, playing outfield or sitting on the bench the whole time. Right. So anyways, that led to, of course, as, as the listeners are probably thinking that led to about 10 to 15 pounds of weight gain between my junior and senior year of high school, which isn't a ton. It's not like I gained like 50 pounds, but you know, I'm five, six, I was like 135 at the time it it showed and I, I could feel it. Right. And it felt uncomfortable right around that time. Um, this was after my senior year of high school, I started getting into weightlifting and that became something that was important to me. Um, I really enjoyed it. Like the way it made me feel it was empowering. And of course it helped me kind of sculpt my body a little bit. So I'm into weightlifting. I go to school in Florida, which was, um, very far from where I lived. And, um, you know, I was just kind of trying to find my way through my first year of college and stuff like that. And I still maintained, you know, going to the gym as often as I could with classes and making friends and stuff like that. That year, my freshman year for Christmas, my parents gifted me personal training sessions. Cause that's what I asked for. And, uh, I started working with this awesome personal tra- trainer there. She doesn't work there anymore. Cause she graduated, but shout out to Kelsey. Um, I always wonder if she's ever going to hear me say this. Cause I shout her out all the time, but she <laughs> I taught always me a lot. do that. I'm shouting yeah. out random people. And I'm like, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but shout out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you never know. So anyways, she did an awesome job, you know, taught me kind of the basics. And at my end of, at the end of my sessions with her, she was like, you know, you should become a trainer yourself. And I was like, nah, this is, you know, this is a lot, whatever. She's like, no, we have a really good program here that helps certify people uh, through NASM, which is a really good personal training certification company. So I, I took her advice. I went through the course that they offered at school and became an NASM certified personal trainer and um, started training some clients out of our university gym. So, you know, I'm feeling good. I've, I've lost a little bit of weight myself and I'm starting to train people. And I don't know if you relate to this, Brevin, but I'm sure people in your audience do. Um, I got a little obsessive with it. I think a lot of times when you first get into fitness and you see that little bit of progress, it's really easy to get obsessed. And so 
you know, changing my eating style and working out became, you know, through a lot of different, for a lot of different reasons, I should say, and through a lot of different avenues pretty much became full-blown orthorexia, which is being obsessed about eating healthy. So I would be really obsessive about, you know, I can't have white rice. I can only have brown rice, or, um, I need to have a salad every single day. Like these weird kind of like obsessive tendencies, which looking back on it after years of therapy and reflection, I can see that, you know, growing up in a household where I didn't really have a lot of control over what was going on. This was a way for me to control something in my life. And, um, food was kind of the outlet food in my body and exercise. I could control those things. And so I became very addicted to controlling those things. So I start to cut my calories, get really fixated on my macros. And the worst part about that is that when you lose weight, people reward it. And to a certain extent, it is a good thing to lose weight. If you're overweight, like you will become healthier, but if you're already not really overweight, which I never I really relate was, to this really hard. Yeah. If you're not overweight, which I never really was super overweight. Um, and you're losing like 20 pounds while you're in school and you're stressed and you're not sleeping, like that's not a good thing. So I would come back, you know, for holiday breaks or at the end of a semester and people would always be commenting on how great I looked and everything like that. And I loved it. It just fueled the fire. And so the summer after my freshman year was uh, a time where I was like, well, now I don't even have school. So I'm really going to focus on my weight loss. So I cut my calories down really low. I think they were at 1100, 1200. I looked back at my, uh, my fitness pal diaries one time. It's always tough to look back and be like, what the hell were you thinking? (laughs) And I mean, I was looking through the diary and I was like, my full day of eating was like egg whites and turkey bacon and like chicken breast and broccoli. And then like whatever for dinner and you know, I would eat like half of an apple because I wanted to keep my carbs really low. Hashtag uh, health. Yeah, exactly. Right. Model of health, whatever. (laughs) So, you know, I lost even more weight. Now I'm down like 25 pounds from where I started. And all of a sudden I start to notice, like, I don't feel too well. So I was starting to get really anxious. I was dealing with depression. Now, to be fair, I had a lot of stuff going on during that time in my family life. My dad was at his worst. We had to admit him to rehab. My grandpa, who I was really, really close with, was dying uh, of cancer. So there was a shit ton of stuff going on. And again, wanting to control things, I was, you know, I just took it out on food and exercise. And so I'm, now I'm not feeling well. I've got anxiety, I've got depression. And I don't ever remember really struggling with gut health until I got back to school. And I noticed one day that I was like really bloated. That was my first kind of recollection of something's not right here. So there was this time, there was like a week where I was really, really bloated. I was having trouble like using the bathroom. It was a a total shit show from that point on. I don't know if it was like a stressful day and it triggered something or I ate something that messed me up. But from that point on, I was dealing with bloating, um, pretty much every single day. And now that was my freshman year of high school or of college. And I mean, I've been graduated for three years now, so that's, it's been at least five or six years of just constant bloating. Now in the meantime, you know, I did learn how to lose weight the right way and be more healthy and all that stuff went through a lot of therapy. So I ended up sticking with a a career in coaching, but I have struggled immensely, even through my career, all the research I've done, all the people I've helped with my own gut health. And so this year in particular, I decided in early February that 
you know, coaches need coaches too. So I was like, I need to hire somebody who really knows what they're doing with gut health. So I'm working with a coach right now. We've been working together since February. He himself said I've had an, in his words, odd case. So we're still always love to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, great. This is wonderful. He's already a very like cut and dry kind of dude. So to hear that, I was like, great. Um, but we are trying to work through my gut health and through my own experience, I've learned a lot enough to at least help clients with like basic gut health problems. No, that's awesome. And I think a lot of people relate to that. You always hear people talk about like, oh yeah, I'm always bloated after meals and, and it's yep. just so normalized, like bad yes. gut health. So before we really dive into to gut health, I think that's a term that's thrown around a lot. And I don't think people really understand what they're, what they're saying or what gut health actually means. It's just such a popularized term for people like on yeah. TikTok, like how to five steps to improve your gut health. What does gut health actually mean? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's funny that you asked this because I think when people think of gut health, they're like, oh, well, you know, I eat yogurt and I'm like, that's, that's not how this works, sweetheart, <laughs> you know? Um, so I'm not sure that I have a great definition of gut health. Like I, you know, like I've looked it up in the dictionary, but I guess the way that I think about it is, you know, how is your digestive system working? So, um, who was it that said one of the Greek philosophers, I should know this, uh, said that all disease begins in the gut. And, um, it, it wasn't Aristotle. Someone we'll just say Socrates. Yeah. I don't think it was Socrates yeah. either. Is the, the hip, is it Hippocrates or something? Is that, we'll a, is that we'll, a, yeah, that whatever. is one. That is yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I think it was maybe him. So you guys, it's one of those. Yeah. 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 What well, they, they call him the father of medicine. I should know this, but it anyway. would definitely be him then. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So he said that all disease begins in the gut. And, um, I very much agree with that. So I think that, you know, defining gut health is basically asking yourself the question, am I digesting my food properly? Am I absorbing my nutrients well? And then am I getting rid of that waste properly as well? Right. So, I mean, we can define digestion with, it actually starts in your mouth. So if you look at a plate of food, your body actually starts to produce these salivary enzymes that help you break down food. And, um, so that start it starts in your mouth and then you've got, you know, your stomach, you've got your small intestine, you've got your large intestine. And then of course it comes out as waste after that. And, um, a, a question I've been getting asked recently, which is really interesting to me. And I want to touch upon it is a lot of the women who I, who I talk to and who I help will ask me like, how do I know if I'm bloated? And when you're lean and you don't have a ton of body fat, you can really tell when you're bloated. Like it's Mm -hmm. very, very obvious because everywhere else you look lean, you look fit, you look muscular, but then your stomach is like sticking out. It's called distension. It's where there's like this intra abdominal pressure that's kind of pushing out, right? If you have a lot of weight to lose and there's a lot of fat on your stomach, sometimes you can't tell whether you're bloated or not. So I like to, to tell women, you know, if you're, you know, pushing against your stomach and it's kind of like plushy, you can tell it's just fat. If you're pushing against your stomach and it's hard as a rock and it's sticking out, you're probably bloated and dealing with distension. So that's one of the signs of, um, poor gut health, but there are lots of different sides, which I can get into if you want me to. Yeah. Before we hop into that, um, I, you touched on something a little bit that I think is, is a good Avenue. We can go down, um, how, how gut health actually affects our body and why we should care about it. And one thing you specifically touched on that I know I've seen you post about before is the association between gut health and mental health and touching on the gut brain access a little bit. Yeah. How those are so interconnected. Yeah. It's insane. Right. So 
I couldn't tell you exactly what triggered me to be dealing with such bad anxiety and depression. It could have just been the stress of my life at the time. Um, but you know, I would argue that it's a combination of a lot of things. So the stress of my life at the time triggered probably a physiological response within me, which was part of the reason that my gut health was so bad. It's kind of like a chicken and the egg situation. Did your you know, did lots of stress cause your gut health problems or did your gut health problems cause loss of stress and mental health? That's a good way to put it. I like that. It's it's really hard. You, you honestly could, there's no way of knowing necessarily same thing with gut health and autoimmunity, which I'll get to in a second. It could be that you had an autoimmune disease and it triggered poor gut health or vice versa. You have poor gut health, which triggered an autoimmune disease. Um, so to answer your question, Brevin, about why this is even important. Well, if you don't care about your health and you don't care if you live till you're 50, you, you just want to look good, right? gut health affects weight loss. So there is this concept that when your body is inflamed, it doesn't want to lose fat. So your body doesn't like to get rid of inflamed tissues. It's hard. And if your gut health is poor and you're causing a lot of inflammation in your body, it's very difficult to lose fat. So just from a weight loss perspective, that can change the game for you, right? You're get, you've got this inflammation in your body. They've done a lot of research recently to show that people who are lean and healthy and have a good metabolism actually have different strains of bacteria in their guts. So they've done research on mice where they've taken an obese mice, mouse, I should say, and taken some of the bacteria in their gut, transferred it to a lean or skinny mouse, and that lean mouse gets fat with the transfer of the bacteria from the obese mouse. That's they've, crazy. They've, yeah, they've proven this in humans as well, where they've taken, uh, it's, it, it would be unethical to do it the other way around, but they've taken the bacteria of a lean, healthy individual and through a fecal transplant, they put it into someone who is obese or needs to lose weight. And they actually have an easier time losing weight that way. So it really, really does matter just for weight loss. Now let's go ahead and look at what you asked about, which is the gut brain axis. So they have proven now that there is a, a nerve in our body called the vagal nerve which connects the gut and the brain. Okay. This is something we've known intuitively for a really long time. Have you ever gotten up on stage to give a presentation and you have butterflies in your stomach? Well, that's not crazy. You're not making that shit up. You're actually, there's an actual connection between your brain and your gut, right? Or, you know, you'll have someone say like, every time I get nervous, I get the runs. Okay. Well, it's because your brain and your gut are connected, right? So they're inextricably, inextricably connected and linked and if there is some sort of infection or overgrowth of bacteria or something, a parasite that should not be in your gut, it can actually trigger neuroinflammation, which can lead to anxiety and depression. So they're actually now saying that IBD or IBS, which is like this umbrella term for gut health problems. Everyone IBS, is diagnosed with that yeah, at this point. Everybody yeah. has IBS <laughs> because everyone has a shit gut, gut, right? And so now they're starting to say that IBS is actually a neurological disorder because the, the connection there is so strong. So if your gut is fucked, you might not be able to lose weight you probably are dealing with some mental health issues. I mean, think about it like this. If you ever have a stomach ache or you ate too much after a meal, you don't feel well. You're not in a good mood, right? That's a, that's a clear example of this. And then my last point here is there have been lots of studies and lots of research to show that there's a link between poor gut health and an increased risk in autoimmunity. So our gut has a, a very important component of it, which is the gut lining, okay? It's this mucosal layer that is, um, you know, in your gut and it should be, it should be closed off, right? There are these villi, they look like fingers and they should be in these, whoops, 
just bump my microphone, but they should be in these tight junctions. Okay. If you eat something or you're stressed or something causes a tear in that junction, particles of food can get from your gut into your blood. When your body sees a particle of food in your blood that shouldn't be there, it freaks out and it can attack that particle of food. This is called leaky gut. Okay. If you've ever heard this term and when you have leaky gut and your body is attacking these different particles of food in your body. And if there's somebody super scientific on here, I'm probably butchering this, but just to give you a general example, right? When your body's then sees these foreign objects in your blood, it starts to, for lack of a better term, sort of attack itself and which type of tissue in your, in your body it attacks is actually dependent on genetics. So for me, because I've actually been recently diagnosed with an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's, that is where your body attacks its own thyroid tissue. This can happen for different people in different ways. If you are genetically predisposed to Alzheimer's, you know, your body might be attacking, uh, attacking your own brain tissue and there's different ways that it shows up for different people. So, I mean, that was me ranting for like five minutes uh, at the minimum there talking to you about how important it is to make sure you're taking care of your gut health. No, I love that. You, you put that very, very well. Um, you, you definitely know your stuff when it comes to gut health, which is really Thank cool. You. Um, and, and you can see how it's affected you in so many different areas as well. Yeah. And I don't think enough people understand that the gut is connected to every other thing that you do inside of health and fitness. Everything. And, and so many people look for just that one quick fix of, I'm just going to take those bloom greens yeah. and like, that's going to fix everything. And it's so much more complicated and interconnected than that. So what are some of the signs and symptoms that maybe you saw or that you see in some of your clients to know that like maybe your gut health is suffering? Maybe you are struggling with this and that's why all of these other things are happening. Yeah, great. So the first thing I want to say, because this is the easiest one for people to take a look at is, are you having a bowel movement every day? I just recorded uh, an Instagram reel on this that I was actually editing before we hopped on this podcast. But my little hook there was like, here's what your poop can tell you about your, about your weight loss journey. Right. <laughs> so seriously. So if you're not having a bowel movement every single day, that is constipation. Now, if you miss one day every three weeks or something like that, because you were stressed or you were traveling or something, that's not abnormal. But if you're not having a single bowel movement every single day, that is constipation. Okay. So that's an easy sign. Obviously, if it's the other way around and you're having runny stools all the time, that's an obvious one too. That's not normal. Okay. So if you go on Google and you look up Bristol stool chart, okay, it's, it's a chart that shows you, I know nobody likes looking at poop. Nobody likes talking about poop, but it's really important. It's a chart that's going to show you what your poop should look like, because if you're pooping like pebbles all the time, that's not a good thing. Right. And if your stools are completely loose, that's not good either. So, uh, you can see what an ideal, um, poop <laughs> looks like an ideal bowel movement looks like. Um, and you should be at, I believe it's like a three or a four are the two normal ones on there. Um, the next thing, and this is where I could tell for myself is bloating. So bloating at the end of a really large meal, you know, you went out and you had pizza and beer with your friends, like you're going to be bloated after that, no doubt. Okay. But if you're bloating after eating eggs and fruit, like I am, there's something going on there. Um, you, if you're bloating after drinking water, which also happens to me, there's something going on there because nothing is causing that reaction at the end of the night before you go to bed, if you're bloated, cause you've had a, you know, a full day of eating, that's normal. But if you wake up in the morning bloated, that's not normal. Okay. So that's another sign. Um, some less 
uh, well-known signs would be skin conditions. So if you get a lot of psoriasis breakouts, eczema, this type of stuff, this can actually be a sign of leaky gut, which we talked about a little bit earlier. If you have really bad acne, uh, this can be a sign of leaky gut and hormonal imbalances that are um, caused by that leaky gut, right? So another thing your gut affects is your hormones um, and it can cause a lot of hormonal imbalances, especially for women. We're more prone to this. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think I covered most of them there. Let's see. I mean, stomach pain, uh, you know, uh, trouble digesting like fatty foods, like there's all sorts of different stuff that if anything with your digestion seems off, that's the first place I would look. So inside of, and something I talk about with my clients all the time is something I call low hanging fruit. It's, it's, it's the, uh, food quality, it's fiber, it's protein movement, sleep, these kind of things. How do we know when it's time to focus on the low hanging fruit versus time to take a more serious approach to gut health? Okay. So to answer that question, I'm just going to give you the low hanging fruit first, right? So the first thing that I always forget to do myself and, you know, forget to tell my clients, cause we get excited as coaches. We want to give them the supplement or this, that, and the other. Right. But really you got to start with what, what did we talk about a few minutes ago? Digestion starts in the mouth. So when you're eating a meal, sit your ass down at a table, eat the meal and chew your food thoroughly. Okay. Don't eat like your fucking like Chipotle burrito as you're walking through the mall or something like sit down, eat it, make sure you're not super stressed and rushed. I understand there are going to be some meals you have to quickly get in or take in your car. That's okay. But if every single time you eat, you're eating so quickly, well, guess what? You're not chewing that food. You're going to get these massive you know, pieces of food that hit your digestive tract, which is really hard for it to break down. So that's step one. Um, step two, the next thing I look at is, are you getting fiber in your diet? Okay. So my roommate who I'm helping a lot with her health and fitness and stuff, uh, we joke because she, she works out, she eats pretty clean, but she like hates vegetables. She avoids them at all costs. Right. So I actually like wrote her up a little kind of like meal plan or whatever you want to call it. And I said, Hey, let's stick to these types of foods. Um, you know, for the next few weeks and see how you feel. And, um, you know, I put some like broccoli on there and, and Brussels sprouts and stuff. And she like bitched and moaned about it, but she's having much better digestive health after afterwards. Right. So they say that you should get about 14 grams of fiber per thousand calories you're eating. So guess what? If you're a dude eating 3000 calories, you got a lot of fiber. You're trying to get in there now, obviously, you know, you're not going to sit there and eat like 50 grams of fiber. That's going to feel like shit. Right. But you know, you want to be minimum for women is 25 grams and minimum for men is about 35 grams of fiber. Um, some high fiber foods you can look to, um, you know, including your diet. One I was of my just about to ask you that. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorites right now is raspberries. So raspberries are really good. Um, blackberries, any of the berries are great. Avocados actually got quite a bit of fiber. Um, when you're choosing a carb source, looking to something like potatoes, quinoa, um, some of these more complex carbs have more fibers. They're a little harder to break down as opposed to something like white rice, which I love and has its place, but pretty void of nutrients there. Right. Um, of course, you know, leafy greens, uh, any, any sort of vegetables are really going to be great. And some, uh, fruits are great too, apples and things like that. Um, okay. So we've got, uh, you know, making sure that we are chewing our food. We've got making sure we're eating fiber, water and hydration is huge as well. So make sure you're drinking an adequate amount of water. I like to challenge everyone, see if you can get a gallon of water per day. For some people, that's a little too much. For others, it's a little not enough, (laughs) but just try and see if you can get that 128 ounces because you're not going to be able to like 
get things moving literally and flush out your system if you're not drinking water. Um, so those are, those are like the basics. Um, of course, things like sleep, you know, food quality, if you're eating a bunch of like junk food, fast food all the time, that's super high in calories, super nutrient or not, not nutrient dense, but void of nutrients, but high in calories. Right. And you're just eating like an asshole for lack of a better term. That's going to mess with your gut health too. Now, as far as how do I know if I've got something a little bit more serious, like I said, if you're dealing with that, like constant bloating or a lot of abdominal pain, or you just really can't digest anything, um, you know, you might have what we call, not what we call, but what they call, um, SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Okay. That's something that you've got to work with a coach for. That's actually what I have. Um, and it can be not that bad and can easily get resolved, or it can be pretty bad in a tough case like mine is, and you need to work with a professional on that. Um, you know, if you're dealing with like horrible skin, like breakouts and issues and stuff like that, that might be part of, uh, you know, a situation where you need to address your gut health more seriously. And then this is one that people don't realize a lot, but if you go to the doctor and they run a thyroid panel, which is uncommon because most doctors don't run the Unfortunately. right lab. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you do happen to get your thyroid, um, levels back and it seems like, you know, your, your T3 and your, your TSH is high, your T4 is low and your T3 is low or your TSH is high and your T4 is high, but your T3 is low. So T3 is the active form of thyroid. If you see that's low, well, the conversion of T4 to T3 happens in the gut and in the liver. So if your gut is messed up, if your liver is all screwed up, you will not have a good conversion. And so what are the symptoms of this? If you've got a lot of fatigue, if you're noticing, uh, you know, inexplicable weight gain, if you're having like hair loss and stuff like that, this is a sign of hypothyroidism, which can also be caused by poor gut health. In that case, you definitely need to work through the gut health there. For sure. And, and I think you, you definitely nailed that there, uh, especially with the low hanging fruit. I think yeah. a lot of people point to something like gut health, metabolism, hormones is like, that's why I'm not having any progress. That's why I'm struggling, but yeah. they're not taking care of the low hanging fruit first. Yep. They're not staying consistent with it. So once we get someone consistent there, once you have a client who is now is now picking all that low hanging fruit, Mm-hmm. How do we start to work through? And you can use yourself as, a, as an example. Um, how do you start to work through something like SIBO? What are some steps you've taken to to kind of rectify that? Yeah. So, I mean, every coach and practitioner has their own way of working through this. I'll give you kind of like what a basic SIBO protocol looks like. So what my coach had me do was he did, uh, we, we did sort of like an anti-inflammatory, he called it a flush and he got this from his mentor, Vince Pitstick. Um, and basically what we did was we just completely lowered inflammation in my body. So I went from eating my normal three meals a day with lots of dairy, tons of protein, all that stuff, took it out. I was doing actually low protein, high carb, um, Um, diet there with a lot of like fruit juices and stuff that was really, really easy for my body to digest. And so just by doing that, we lowered inflammation in my body. Cause once again, if your body's super inflamed, it's really hard to get it to respond to anything. So first we did that. We lowered inflammation. Then we go into, um, usually what it is, is it's some sort of protocol that's uh, includes killers in it. So if you go the traditional medicine route, um, you know, Western medicine, you just go to your conventional doctor, they will likely put you on a, an antibiotic for gut health. Okay. And so, or for SIBO, I should say not for gut health. Uh, there is a specific antibiotic that kills SIBO. The problem with that is that the recurrence rate is very high because what happens with antibiotics is it come, they come in and they kill all the bacteria in the, in your gut, the good and the bad, right? So SIBO is means that you've got 
bacteria in your small intestine, which is not supposed to be there, but you still need good bacteria. Right. And so, um, the recurrence rate with the antibiotic is pretty high, even though the, the specific one that they use for SIBO is supposed to be pretty good about not killing the rest of the, um, bacteria in your gut. It's just kind of hit or miss. So if you go the more functional medicine route, what they'll have you get on is uh, what they call killers. And most of these are antimicrobials. So they're natural supplements, things like oregano, things like thyme, things like woodworm, which are actually herbs that will come in and actually kill off some of that bad bacteria in your gut. Um, but prior to doing all of this, if we're going to get really in the weeds here, I actually had a stool test done, uh, which is called a GI map. And uh, we were able to identify specific uh, strains of bacteria that were high in my body and others that were low. So the idea is That's to, really cool. Yeah, it was really cool for me. So the idea is to kill the ones that are too high. So I had like strep in my gut. I had staph in my gut. These things are not supposed to be in there. <laughs> um, and, and then bring up the ones that are low. So the first phase is killing the ones that are high, which we do through antimicrobials. Uh, my particular coach put me on a low FODMAP diet. FODMAPs are specific carbohydrates that are pretty hard for the body to break down in a healthy person. They're great to include because they are, they've got a lot of fiber and things like that. Um, but if you're dealing with really bad gut health problems, you, you take them out. So I was low FODMAP, um, taking these antimicrobials, different supplements and different things to kind of help with that. And then the idea is once you get some relief and you get the bloating to come down, the symptoms go away, then you can, um, start to bring up the good bacteria. You do that by reintroducing or repopulating the gut with things like, you know, kefir, um, uh, yogurt. This is where we put this in different probiotic strains and stuff like that. My dog's really excited to talk about this too. Um, and, uh, things like, uh, kimchi and sauerkraut fermented foods that start to repopulate the gut with good bacteria. So that's kind of like for, from what I've gathered and I've done hours and hours of research on, on this. I think that's the route that most functional medicine coaches and practitioners take. So it's, it's quite a complicated process. Um, you know, I, to be honest, I wouldn't ask your, your general like macro coach to do this with you. Um, I think you got to hire someone who you really know and trust because I was telling Brevin, um, before this, you know, like even with such a good coach, we're still having a hard time figuring out if this is working or not. And we actually, had to take a break from any antimicrobials because I was getting such bad effects from those and then, uh, took a total break. And now next week I'm starting with a different set of antimicrobials to try and kill it. So it can be quite complicated, um, when you're going through this process. No, I, I it definitely can. It's not fun to deal with either, either no. as I'm sure you can attest to, um, mm -hmm. but it sounds like you're taking all the right steps. Um, is there anything else inside of gut health that you want to leave the listeners with a place to start, or if you are struggling with gut health or anything inside of health and fitness that you just want to leave the listeners with. Yeah, for sure. I think something I didn't touch upon a lot in this particular episode that I want to just bring to the listener's attention is that if you have hormonal problems, so if you do have like low thyroid or you go to the doctor and they say like your estrogen is really high or your progesterone is low, all of these things, a lot of times this is affected by gut health as well, because um, if you're, if the, um, pH in your stomach is off, um, or there's like too much acid and things like that, it can cause issues with your hormones as well. So as a, a whole other side podcast, <laughs> it would be, um, but I'm also struggling with a lot of hormonal imbalances because of my gut health, um, which of course then contributes to the anxiety and all this stuff. So I guess what I want everyone to know is like, you have to look at your body in a very holistic way. Um, 
you know, would losing weight help you with certain things? Like, yes, but it's not the answer to everything, right? Like losing weight will help you decrease inflammation, might help you become more sensitive to insulin, like all these important things. But if you've got like really bad gut health, really bad hormonal issues, you kind of have to start there because you want to fix the root of the problem. So, you know, this is not something you should ignore. I ignored it for so long. I kept dieting. I kept working my stressful in-person training job. Like I just pretended like it it wasn't there. And it really came back to bite me in the ass. Cause now I'm dealing with it like tenfold, um, years later. Right. So make sure that you take care of that stuff with the basics, right. The low hanging fruit we talked about getting adequate sleep, drinking water, chewing your food thoroughly, eating good quality food. Don't be that asshole. That's like, well, I can lose weight on McDonald's. Like, congratulations. You're going to feel like crap. You know, yes, you can include pizza and, and stuff like that every once in a while, but that shouldn't be the bulk of your diet. Um, so I think that's kind of like the basic stuff there. And then just remember that your whole body is a system, your brain, your mind, your spirit, everything is connected in one. And if you're not taking care of one of them, or you're neglecting many of them, it's going to, you know, you're going to feel the effects of that. And I, I really like what you said there. Like a lot of people view this as like, yes, I, I want to chase fat loss. Like all I want is fat loss, but sometimes mm-hmm. it takes pursuing something else like gut health to yeah. actually see fat loss. If you just chase fat loss and you're not taking care of these other things, there are, fat loss is probably going to get harder. It's going to run faster away from you. But if you take the time to focus on some of these other things, you can actually achieve fat loss significantly easier. So I think that's a fantastic way to kind of go about it. Yeah. I mean, just to give you an example, I'm not looking to lose any weight, but through this process, I've lost 10 pounds just because I've decreased inflammation in my body. I've been working on getting better, like sleep and nutrition and all sorts of stuff. So it does come as a side effect when you're working on it. Yeah. uh, Fat loss becomes a a symptom of all of these other things. But when you chase just fat loss, sometimes these other symptoms make fat loss harder. Yep, exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I think you, uh, you taught the listeners a lot. I think they learned a lot about gut health. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned earlier in the podcast um, that I focus a lot on mindset with my clients too. So I have a podcast called The Mindset Diet, which you can find anywhere you get your podcast. Um, you're more than welcome to connect with me on Instagram. I post a lot about this type of um, stuff, at least recently. Uh, so we have like, you know, little slides and stuff on gut health and hormones and all that stuff. So if you feel like you're struggling with that, you can follow me at built by balance underscore Iman. And then I'm on Facebook too, as Iman Wait. You can always friend me on there. Go give her a follow. She's definitely worth the follow, I promise. Thank you you so much for joining us on another episode of the Unfuck Your Health podcast. I will see you guys on the next episode. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find it helpful, I'd love if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. Yes.